Hello everybody and welcome to the Property Management in 2021 webinar. My name is Megan, I've got the pleasure of hosting today's session. I'm excited to be partnering with Inspect Real Estate for today's session. To open our session, we have Mike Anderson. Uh, Mike is an account executive here at Equifax. Since 2015, he's been responsible for selling Equifax products and solutions into the real estate industry, including real estate offices, institutes and industry suppliers around Australia. Thanks, Mike. Hoping you could all hear me now. Um, just wanted to say once again, it's a real pleasure for Equifax to partner with Inspect Real Estate today and to be with you all for this webinar. Um, thank you, Matt, for your presentation. It was very insightful there as well. And to outline the, uh, the rest of the agenda today, we, we'll go next to a panel session where we will hear from Stacey, who's the head of uh, property management at Australian Residential Group, and then uh, and Vicky as well, who's the founder of Property Sphere. They're going to go through and share some top, top time-saving techniques with you all. Uh, moving on from there, we'll then hear from Sunil Raj, who's a director at Hall Chadwick, and Sunil's going to provide some insights on some top tax tips for all the property managers that are on the call today as well. Keep all your questions handy, as Meg mentioned also, because we'll give you an opportunity to ask all the panelists uh, some questions after their presentations today as well. And, and as Meg mentioned, please use your chat box to ask those questions. Lastly, just two little reminders before I pass it back to Meg. Uh, Equifax and Inspect Real Estate are currently running a property manager survey and we'd really love your contribution to it. There'll be a link in the chat box and we'll also uh, send you the link in the follow-up email that will come out after today's webinar for you as well. And of course, we have our lucky winner uh, at the end of today's presentation for the $500 gift card. So please all stay online right to the end when we'll announce that lucky winner. So back to you, Meg. Our first speaker for today, who's Matthew Strasberg. Matt is gonna provide an overview of the regulatory landscape and upcoming changes. Matt has been, is the General Manager of External Relations Australia and New Zealand. And Matt has a long history in public policy, the legislative process and issues management, and has been with Equifax for more than a decade. Prior to that, he worked as Chief of Staff to senior government ministers, including New South Wales Treasurer. Over to you, Matt. My name is Matt Strasberg. I look after external relations uh, for Equifax, both Australia and New Zealand. I've been here for more than a decade. Uh, and um, today I wanna to talk about data and how that is evolving uh, in Australia and indeed uh, worldwide. Um, one of the first things I came across uh, when I had joined Equifax was the move to regulate tenancy databases. Uh, there had already been legislation in Queensland uh, and in New South Wales, it was buried within the Property Stock and Business Agents Act. But elsewhere, there wasn't regulation of tenancy databases. Uh, there had been a working party that was drawing up model provisions. And we, as Vita Advantage, um, and now known as Equifax, had acquired the National Tenancy Database in 2007. So no sooner had we acquired it, then it bounced onto my desk in external relations just to see what's the regulatory landscape. And I came back and I said, well, actually, there's a fair bit of regulatory change going on, um, the establishment of the model provisions and the like. Um, but at that time, um, aware of where they wanted to go with, with, with the information held with what they regarded as a blacklist, Equifax, then Vita Advantage, was, was equally concerned not with negative data, but also with 
empowering people through positive data. Did they pay their rent on time? Uh, this goes back more than 10 years and that concept of, of positive data uh, was something we were supporting with credit reporting. Uh, have you made a payment on time on, uh, on a personal loan, on a mortgage, on your credit card? Because it shows that people can come out of a bad situation. Um, but look, I'd like to say it was an idea ahead of its time, which, which it was, but um, uh, it was difficult to also explain how positive reporting in, in uh, rental payments was going to work if we hadn't already had an experience uh, with banks, which was the case at the time. That only started, it only passed Parliament 2012 and started 2014. So to be asking various states to introduce this capability um, back in 2008, 9, 10, it was, it was an impossibility. In any event, those standard um, provisions, the model provisions that, which went through Queensland were eventually enacted Victoria, WA, Tasmania and as late as 2018 in the Northern Territory, but are still very much seen as a blacklist. Uh, in fact, changes that were made, there were interventions later uh, in relation to family and domestic violence about the ability to, to list a, a, or take off uh, information held by a tenancy database. And most recently, um, COVID measures, uh, which passed all state parliaments in the same month, in April 2020. Um, so, you know, governments can move very quickly on these things when they so wish. Um, so, again, we very much had what's a, a blacklist of information with data and our, our own attitudes towards data when I started with the credit reporting Bureau then Veed Advantage was that we hold information about people, that it's not people's information, it's information we hold about you. Um, that, that concept is really sh shifting and had shifted and in 2016 the Productivity Commission uh, was commissioned uh, to look into data, its availability and use with a, a particular emphasis on the ability of individuals to benefit themselves with data that was um, held by the private sector or by government. Uh, government. And that, um, that report very much captured what was going on in the, in the uh, European Union and the UK. And what came out of it was what is now legislation, what is now the consumer data right. And the government uh, decided on a, uh, an approach that would be based on um, Oops, sorry, I thought I might get full screen then. Uh, based around the idea of um, uh, based around the idea of having um, three sectors lead it, and the most obvious one was um, your bank data, your bank transaction data. The idea that you, as a consumer, could give access to a third party to your your transaction data or information about the products that you were on. Let's say a, a comparator site might absorb all the information about the credit cards you're on and make suggestions to you about a better offer. Same same mortgages. So this is now rolled out into um, into utility or is rolling out into utility. So your energy consumption, and uh, we'll soon start cons consultation on telcos. So it was very much a sector by sector approach. The most interesting one being of course bank transaction data because it speaks to far more than your electricity usage or your telco usage. It talks about behavioral. So that, um, that has, been, um, has been rolling out 
And uh, what, what we've now arrived though is a consultation on whether this should in fact be, um, how do we roll it out to further sectors? Uh, well, we can either do it sector by sector. Treasury is saying, well, we can continue with the same model. We're doing, we've done banking, we're doing utility, we're about to do telco. Do we look at the next sectors and go insurance and groceries and loyalty schemes and superannuation? Or do we in fact look at it, uh, bundle it as significant life events? And the two examples they raised, one was about buying a car, particularly secondhand cars, I think, but the other one is buying a house, an existing asset that might've had a test report done or a building report, or has had an insurance claim made on it relating to structural damage or the strata reports, uh, all, that, that, all that sort of um, information that you might do searches on now with council, um, various little pots, you know, go up to the uh, owner's corporation, to the, to the uh, strata managers. Is there a way to in fact bring all that information together so it's related to the, to the address? So that way you can see it all in one place, you know, it's history, previous sales, you know, was it, uh, was it once an Indian, Indian burial ground, all of that. So um, two options remain with Treasury about the consumer data right. Um, and one of them is to continue sector by sector. And the more complicated one is to talk about you know, significant life events and how do you, how do you liberate that, that data into one place? So those, that's is with Treasury. Um, now, interestingly, in the UK, um, it is possible uh, for consumers to consent for their rental payment history to be contributed to a credit bureau. And it is very much at the consumer's um, uh, wish uh, and to which bureau they contribute it to. It's a mob, a uh, third party mob of FinTech uh, called, um, uh, called Credit Ladder. And the way they do it doesn't involve the, um, in that sense, doesn't have to involve the um, property manager having to make sure that we record or they provide to the bureau a monthly feed which would of course, you know, be, end up being, uh, you know, quite complex of every tenant that is paid. Um, you know, that, that is one of the issues that way back when, when we talked about positive reporting, people kept saying to me, but what real estate agent will want to, want to do this? And the FinTech has come along in the UK and said, you know, we don't, we don't need to do that. We can just look at the, uh, the customers with their consent, their bank account and see the regular payment uh, of, uh, you know, the through their transactions regular payments made. So we'll do it that way, which is a whole lot lighter touch. Now it is with con uh, customer consent, consumer. It's supported by Treasury. It's overseen by a regulator, uh, the FCA. And the benefit to the industry, to the uh, real estate industry, is that there is overwhelming evidence that tenants who use this system are much more likely to, to be good payers to not default. It's something like 20 times. That's what Credit Ladder is claiming. So as, as a mark of a good tenant, there we have it. And it's being augmented onto their credit file. So that way people who, you know, might have been through a bad patch or are not in a position to, um, let's say they, they might be, um, you know, might have very low limit um, credit cards or the like. They don't have a big credit history. They might be new to country. A whole lot of reasons they can now augment their credit risk using their rental payment, um, good rental payment uh, 
evidence. So uh, consented, as I said. So that is how data is moving. And I think that is a really simple example from the UK, how it really can benefit and not become a, a burden of reporting um, for either body, for anybody. So I think a win all around for the, for the bureaus that can now get sharper with credit reporting, for the industry who can now see um, the better tenants, and for the tenants themselves who can now benefit for, through a greater ability uh, to borrow and borrow at uh, more reasonable interest rates. Um, or on better terms. So that is how data is evolving. It does pick up your industry and that's one example where uh, where we all meet. Um, so thank you very much. Meg, back to you. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks so much, Mike. Next, I'd like to hand over to Rowan Stridham, Portfolio Manager from Inspect Real Estate, who will be introducing and facilitating our panel discussion today. Uh, Ruan started his career in real estate as a property manager in 2012 before moving into an office management role in 2015, leading a team of six property managers, uh, managing a rent roll of 700 properties. In 2016, Ruan commenced his employment with Inspect Real Estate as a customer support consultant. He's currently the head of support overseeing a team of five training and support consultants, providing support and training to 580 inspect real estate real estate clients across Australia and New Zealand. Over to you. Perfect. Thanks, Meg. Um, thanks everybody for joining us for our panel discussion. Um, I'll start out by introducing our two panelists. So first off, we have Stacey Robertson, the head of property management uh, at the Australian Residential Group. So Stacey started her career in real estate on the ground floor as a receptionist 15 years ago. Throughout her extensive career, she has worked with many different agencies running vastly different structures. While working as a consultant, she had the pleasure of going in and out of many agencies and speaking with a wide range of owners license and licensees to see what worked and what didn't work in the property management industry. Uh, Stacey has an incredible devotion to the real estate industry and this shows in every aspect of her work. She has a very detailed understanding of legislation and a confident persona allows her to convey this to clients to achieve a positive outcome. We also have Vicky Wharton. She is the founder of Property Sphere Real Estate. So Vicky has been a leading property professional in the industry since 2003. A testament to Vicky's dedication and professionalism was being named as a finalist for Property Manager of the Year for the Leading Property Management Association in 2018, um, Real Business Property Management of the Year finalist in 2021, and a Women in Real Estate Property Manager of the Year finalist also in 2021. Uh, using her savvy as a property investor, she imparts her knowledge gained through personal experience using decisive decision-making and sound judgment uh, as she finds quick, effective solutions to any problem. Vicky is always striving for excellence and has driven her career becoming a real estate agency principal with Property Sphere. So welcome to both of you and thank you for joining us. Um, as Mike mentioned, we are going to be covering a few top time-saving tips um, for the property management industry and how these are applied to both of the two businesses uh, that Stacey and Vicky are a part of. So we'll get started. So the first question that we are going to be looking at and the first thing that we're going to be covering is routine inspections and how they are now uh, being done. So 
do you still do those routine inspections um, face to face going to people's houses um, or do we focus more on doing them online um, now so Stacey we'll throw to you so for you to start out and uh, with this one for us thank you uh, so with BLG we did a bit of a mix so we've opened the floor to both options so we do it either in person if that's the owner and tenants preference um, or remotely especially if there's uh, in the COVID era uh, if there's health requirements where that restricts access we're open to that as well so you can lodge your routine inspection online through the tenant portal so using video, photo, uh, we do FaceTime and Zoom calls as well, so we can have a full tour of the home. Uh, we have to keep in mind as well, being that homes are now also home offices, you're coming into someone's workspace at the same time. So being quick, efficient, um, and getting in, getting it done, and getting out of there is priority for our tenants, but also covering the owner's basis, making sure that things aren't being missed, um, a full range is being showed of that home, so you're not leaving things to be mishandled. Perfect, that's great. Thanks, Stacey. Vicky, mm -hmm. um, over to you. Um, so from, from my understanding, you guys do a little bit different? Yeah, yeah, yeah most definitely. So um, we, I agree wholeheartedly with everything that Stacey is about in her business, which is, is the correct way. What I love about our industry is that we're so technology driven and, um, you know, perfect example, IRE, you guys are on the front foot of it all, you know, you create, make our jobs a lot easier. So in terms of what we do, because we are a small business, we still love to have that personal contact with our tenants. But in any stage, if we get to a point where we're quite big and we need to create more efficiency around what we do, then we can definitely move towards the virtual inspections as well. Or let's just say if a property manager is sick for the day and you know we've got to reschedule. So I love that the technology is great and really does support property management, property managers um, and just efficiency around what we do. So um, as a small business owner, it is all about dollar productive activity for me. So you know what costs me $240 a day in a property manager to get eight inspections done I can get this done within you know two to three hours using your technology and just have the the same outcome so yeah, yeah. it's 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 really massive for us and our industry so. yeah definitely yeah. so we still cover both of those aspects where you have people that do it online still get the the routine inspection done get the reporting done get the recordings and, and videos done but you also still have that aspect of it where you're going into the house and doing it um, as we can say, the old-fashioned way with going in, taking photos, and getting that report ready to then send off to your to your owners. So, with that in mind, um, with the the world changing as it is at the moment, um, online meetings are becoming more and more part of our daily lives. So we're all um, familiar with Zoom meetings and team meetings and jumping on uh, to those. How did that affect uh, your businesses and the meetings that you not only have with your team but also with owners that are interstate or tenants moving from, from interstate. So with this one, um, we'll hand over to you first. Yeah, you? of course. So um, when I started my business um, just a bit over two years ago, um, so just, just before COVID hit, so um, I started at the hardest time. Yeah. So we were absolutely a virtual office from the very start. So I guess a couple of the things um, that we needed to get used to and I did very quickly was to get out of the office environment and be working independently. So from there we were actually everything is now technology based. So we do Zooms um, constantly. We have um, and there's again a lot of technology around that. So um, even with Google, like Gmail, they have where we can share our screens and sit there and talk. So we still can create that office space, but still be at home 
working, you know, moving through everything. It's um, important to us that we do Zoom and or FaceTime all of our owners um, because a lot of our investors are interstate. They love seeing our faces. They love talking to us and, you know, just to put a face to the name and we smile and we talk and we just get through everything. So it's still a very big relationship building business for us. And it yes. is all about our clients. Um, so yeah, having this technology is awesome and is actually in within our business. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I like what you said with, with um, it still being that relationship building industry and because and yes. it, it is, and that, that's what it is. You have yeah. to build that relationship with the owner and, and get them to know you get comfortable with, mm. with dealing with them on a daily basis. Uh, Stacey? So we're a slightly different business. We yep. do mostly new builds. So we've got a lot of interstate investors coming up at the moment that are buying in Queensland and haven't been able to come across the border to actually see what they've purchased. So we really utilised uh, online platforms, so Zoom, Teams, all of that kind of thing, yes. to show them the homes that they've purchased. So we would attend the PC inspection and walk them through their home so they could see what they're the, the build has come to. Uh, so that definitely helped. It also helps with uh, interstate, as you said, um, tenants moving. So they want to see the house they're moving into, but if they can't cross the border yet, it's often restrictive. Yes. So we're utilising the platform for that. Also for our team environment as well, we run virtual offices. So we run from the Sunshine Coast right down to the Gold Coast and the Western Corridor. So for our team, we can do an online meeting much quicker than we can have our staff commuting. Definitely. And then we can also do in office. So you want to keep that rapport with your uh, uh, PM team and everyone involved. So you want that team atmosphere, but the technology really helps to build that when you can't be in office. Um, so yeah, we utilize the platforms a lot. And also, as you said, uh, meeting our owners, they're interstate, they can't just pop up here whenever they want. So we'll do a lot of Zoom calls, team calls, so we can have a face-to-face -face discussion, which during COVID, I think we all yeah. kind of missed. Yes, definitely. No, I think the technology is definitely great in, in that respect where it still uh, it, it still provides you that opportunity to show people through properties, meet the owners, exactly. get them to do those, those um, inspections that they can't come and do in person. So you can put their minds at ease as well. So a, a technology is definitely a great help when, when it comes uh, to that as well. Okay, so the next um, one that we're going to cover off is with everything being a little bit more virtual and, and online, uh, flexible work hours have come, become also become more part of, of our lives and, and it means that people can be working 24-7 if they, if they really want to. Um, so in that case, in those cases, tenants may expect an immediate response whenever they submit an application or send through an inquiry. Um, how do you set the expectation when it comes to, to both of those where people are expecting immediate responses from you uh, uh, straight away and, and how do you deal with that on a daily basis? So in our business, we've actually yep. started running auto responses. So as okay. soon as you submit something to us, you get a response saying we've received it, you've got an acknowledgement of that. Um, and then we set the, the ground rules pretty quickly. Yes. So that's letting you know, depending on our PM team and who's running that, they have different requirements. So some of our PMs work mostly in the afternoons or mostly in the mornings or depending on work structures for them. So they set those ground rules very easy. As long as targets are being met um, and tenants are getting back to and owners are getting responses clearly and quickly, we're happy yes. with how they run. Um, so in that, it's up to the PM team to set those boundaries quickly yes. um, and also get back to people in a good time frame. People have expectations That's it. of getting responses quickly and with all the online, as you're saying, it needs to be clear, precise, and the requirements are laid out early. Definitely, that's perfect. 
Nikki? Yeah, so um, for us in my business, so completely again agree with Stacey and um, what she's about and how she structures her team. So for us, um, the clients and we, we when we talk about clients, it's our owners, our tenants, our tradies, everyone, they are at the forefront of our business. So they are the core of our um, business and everything we do. So for me as the principal, I don't expect my PMs to, you know, answer tenants calls and emails and what have you after. I think in the, our industry as a whole, it's um, it's gotten to a stage where it, we get bad raps when the communication is really low. So all of this stuff that IRE does and all these other prop tech companies the, through the automation really bridges that gap of communication, which is awesome. But then we come back to educating our tenants as well on the level of expectation that we want. Um, so for me and my business, again, I don't expect my PMs to work out of the business hours, but because they are all remote work from home, I offer the work balance life with them. Um, you know, I don't actually expect them to actually leave the house on most days, you know, two days a week. So yes. if they, you know, roll in on a Zoom in the morning in their pyjamas, that's totally fine by me. But it is a bit of a give and take in my business. So I do allow my staff to pick up their children and what have you. But if they're, if they're going to have that, then we're, we're going to offer a little bit back into the business. So for me, it is definitely the work-life balance. But yeah, if, if the PM wants to work out of those hours, exactly like Stacey, entirely up to them. It's not a requirement for me. I still love to do the nine to five, but every now and again, we may get that request. So, yeah. No, definitely. I think, again, technology offers you that that um, opportunity to be more flexible and, and to be able to offer what you are offering with the, the little bit more flexible work hours where mm. people can go and quickly run off, uh, pick up, do the, do the school run or um, take care of a few things and then yeah. get back and, and get back to answering all the questions that they might have gotten. Um, and as long as it's all done, then that's what we... Absolutely. And I think one of the big things in our industry, especially for property managers, and this is the reason why I left the corporate world and started my own business, yes. is that there, there is so much staff turnover, really high work level, stress level. So it was about bringing it back to higher productivity, work-life balance, where I'm going to get happy PMs, because when I have happy PMs, they're willing to do anything, you know, um, and, and rewarding them in line with what they do. So if they're going to put in X amount of hours, you know what, well, at the end of the month, if you hit your KPIs, go have a day off, you know, like yes. have a long weekend. That's totally fine with me. So, yeah. And I think on the other side of that as well, our key employment age is young women. Yeah. So we were losing a lot of our um, experienced staff because yeah. they were deciding to have children. Yeah. So in our business structure, we decided to make sure that could be accommodated. Mm. So if you want to work from home two days a week, three days a week, whatever you need, we want to keep that knowledge base yes. in our mm. business. Yeah. So we can help and customise that employment base around that staff member while delivering such great results. because. Mm. If you're willing to give to them, they're willing to give back to the business. Definitely. Yeah. So we've seen such great results come from, obviously, technology pushed that forward yeah. uh, to be able to offer that to our staff, and we've seen it in spades be returned to us. Definitely. Yeah, and I think COVID has a massive impact on that. It's really pushed our industry and the PMs to a point where we have to work from home, and I think now all the bosses have seen and realised, oh, wow, yeah. they all work at home, and it's, mm -hmm. you know, we can all trust our staff to do that and still get maximum you know out of our staff and team so yeah, yeah it's really good definitely definitely okay
that's all the questions that I have for you guys. Thank you. For you both. Thank you. Thank you for all of the insightful answers. I think um, everybody who joined really appreciates it as well. Um, it's been great having both of you as part of the discussion. And I'm sure if we have any questions that Mike will cover it um, towards the end. So um, we will go through those if we if we get any any questions. But Thank you for joining us. Thank, Thank you for having you. us. No problem. Okay, so I am now going to just um, go into the next section that we are going to be covering within the panel discussion, and that is some uh, top tax uh, tips for property managers. And as part of this section, we are going to have Sunil Rajay join us. So Sunil is for the director for um, Hall and Chadwick. So Sunil has been in the professional industry or the professional business advisory industry for for 12 years and his experience in the taxation business and service field covers a broad range of industries and clients. Sunil commenced employment with Hall Chadwick Queensland in 2008 and was appointed as a partner in July 2018 and he is now uh, he was then appointed as the director in July 2021. Uh, Sunil has a varied client base which includes professional services such as medical, legal, engineering, um, architecture and quantity surveyors. He also covers construction and property development on high net worth individuals. Sunil has experience in advising on income tax, GST, French benefits, uh, French benefits, sorry, uh, superannuations, uh, structuring, asset protection, and tax planning. Sunil focuses on working closely with clients and their business um, as a business advisor and providing them with value-added services in addition to tax-related advice. So welcome to Neil, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Ron. Okay, so as I said at the start, Neil, we, we're going to have a bit of a, a chat about any tips that you have uh, for property managers. So I'll start out by um, covering Equifax uh, NTD reports and are those reports uh, tax deductible for property managers? And what does that mean? Are there any benefits to, to that? Yes, uh, Ruan, they are definitely um, tax deductible to property managers. A lot of the property managers may actually on charge those costs to tenants. And those reports are usually not tax deductible to tenants because it's seen as a private expense on their end. But for property managers, it's seen as an expense of doing business. So it is tax deductible to them. So it definitely is good for the property managers to basically get that reports done, get a tax reduction rather than pass it on to the tenant. Yeah, definitely. Okay, that's great. So that's a, that's a great benefit of, of having, uh, of getting those um, NTD, Equifax NTD reports into your business. So moving on from that, and if we have a look at um, property managers, um, what do PMs need to know about uh, tax deductions? Um, and working from home, what expenses can they claim in that regard? So I know that a lot of property managers are used to being out on the road and claiming those those car expenses, shoes, sunscreen, uniforms, that sort of thing. But if we if we look at them working from home, what what expenses can they claim there? Yeah, okay. So in the last couple of years since the onset of COVID, ATO have come out with a couple of different methods on how you can claim your work from home expenses. And one of the methods which basically came out during COVID is called as, it's called as a shortcut method, where essentially you can claim 80 cents for every hour you work from home. So if you're working basically three days a week from home, which you know, is around 25 hours a week, and you multiply that by 44, 45 weeks in a year, 
and whatever number of hours you get, you multiply that by 80 cents, and that's your tax reduction for working from home. Important to note when you claim that you can't claim anything else over and above that, such as your internet or your mobile phone or electricity or even depreciation for your laptop or any equipment. So it's, it's, it's a capture all deduction. It captures all your expenses in working from home. Alternatively, what they can do is actually claim the business use of their electricity, of their equipment, such as your laptop or double dual screens or monitors or whatever they purchase, claim the business related percentage of your internet, your mobile phone, and then for every hour you work from home, instead of 80 cents, you claim 52 cents. So there are a couple of methods and you have the option to work out which method gives you the higher deduction and apply that for that year. Yes. Definitely. Also, just, just, so that's just good. sorry, sorry, Ruan, just to just to clarify that shortcut method, shortcut method is only at this stage up to 38 June 2022. So that's kind of a bit of a you know a response to COVID from the ATO. Yes, perfect. So that that is that benefit there for for working from home and during the COVID COVID period where you can use that sure. shortcut method. Um. So. With with that um, in mind, so I know I mentioned the car expenses, shoes, sunscreen, that sort of thing. Can that still be claimed um, if, if they are working from home, but then also going out and doing some inspections like Correct. we spoke about the routine inspections? Correct. So they can claim car expenses essentially for all the trips they do from their office to clients or to say from one office to the other office or, or trips to do open houses or property inspections are still tax deductible. The only ones you can't claim is from home to work and back. So those trips are deemed private and not tax deductible. In terms of sunglasses, sunscreen, yes, they can still claim it as long as you know they are still out there in the sun and you know spending a prolonged amount of time in, in the outdoors. Yes, they can. With sunglasses, if the sunglasses cost less than $300, yes, they can claim it as an outright deduction. If they cost more than $300, they need to be depreciated, basically. That's how the ATO rules. Yes. Perfect. I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, that is definitely um, a, a great benefit for, for uh, property managers. And, and having that, that information will, will definitely benefit them when it comes to doing your, your tax claims um, at the end of the financial year. So with that in mind, we're moving on to investors as the next bit that we are going to cover. So what can investors claim? What is a deductible and, and um, depreciation? So is, is that like repairs, landlord insurance, that sort of thing? So what, what is deductible for our investors? Yep, so from an investor's point of view, essentially every expense you incur in maintaining your rental property is tax deductible. You know, and some of the common deductions are advertising for tenants, your property manager fees, body corporate fees, council rates, land tax, uh, you know, your utilities bills, landlord's insurance. And so that's all basically a common, common set of deductions. Uh, the other deductions are your depreciation on your appliances. So, you know, if you buy a new fridge or a TV or whatever you buy, they are deductible as well. So you can claim a deduction for that. And if it's a newly built property or fairly new, you can also claim the building cost write-off. And the best way to do it is go to a quantity surveyor and get a depreciation report, report that up. Okay, perfect. Well, 
those are all the questions that I had for you, Sunil. Is there anything else that you want to add around tax deductions? Anything that, that you think would be helpful? Uh, a couple of things from a, from a property manager's point of view, even if they're going for, you know, self-education courses or, you know, if they buy a camera for photography and all that, those things can be, can be reductions. Marketing costs can be reductions. Some simple things like, you know, a gift for a client can be a tax deduction as well. So, so those are some of the, you know, the ones which probably can, can, get, can get missed. It's probably also important to note that fees paid to a tax agent to get your tax return done are also, also tax deductible as long as they are paid to a registered tax agent or a tax advisor. Yes, perfect. Well, Sunil, I thank you for joining us today. That was great. I think that provided a good insight into what property managers can claim and what they can also um, have a chat to their investors about and what, what they can then claim um, on, on the back of that. So thank you for joining us, Sunil. It's been great having you as, as part of the webinar and the panel discussion as as well. Um, that brings us to the, that brings us to the end of our... Yeah, no problem at all. No problem at all, Sunil. That brings us to the end of the panel discussion. So I'm going to hand over back to, to Mike and he will cover a few more things on his end and we'll also have a look at, at some of the questions that we got through. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Ruan. Um, and as I said when we opened the session, um, we are open for any questions uh, that have come through and there have been some from our audience. So in the meantime, I'm going to ask uh, our speakers. So uh, that is Ruan and team, Matthew and Mike, uh, to take themselves off mute and to pop their webcams back on. <laughs> Hello, welcome back. Good you. And Mike, let's make sure your audio is working. Got me. <laughs> awesome, fantastic. And I'll hand it over to you, Mike. Fantastic, thank you. And, and thank you, our panelists, some really insightful stuff there. So um, just, just looking in the chat box, uh, we have a, a question from Kayla. Is there an omit on how much you can claim on work clothes? Probably a question there for you. Probably for me, uh, Mike. Uh, Technically, uh, is there an omit on how much you can claim on work clothes oh, if you don't have a uniform? Oh, basically, you can't claim anything if you don't have a uniform. So it has to be your clothing has to be either you know occupation specific or protective or compulsory. If it's non-compulsory, the design still should be registered with Oz Industry. If it's not, then technically you can't claim any deduction for you know, your general work clothes. Like if you're wearing a suit to work every day, you can't claim a deduction for that. There is no deduction. Great, thank you. And another question here for you, Sunil, is, is LMI tax deductible? Uh, no, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm presuming they're referring to lend, uh, lenders mortgage insurance. It is not tax deductible, no. Okay. Just looking through there, we, we, we have a question here. What, what, what's it been like, Vicky, since you've changed to a virtual, being a virtual office? Yeah, it's been really good, actually. I love it because um, I don't have to get dressed every day for work. So I have two days schedule a week where I actually get dressed up and put my face on. But other than that, it's, it's really great. Um, when I first started at home, it was really weird because the kids were at school, the husband was at work. 
and I had my Moodle. So, and because I was so used to talking to people, I started talking to her for a bit. Like, <laughs> then, Claire, what do you think about this? And she would just stare at me and then I would find it really funny and humorous because, yeah, you just end up talking to your pets. But no, I absolutely love it. Um, would you ever see me back in a corporate company? Absolutely not because, um, yeah, it's, it's great when you run your own show. Um, you know, and, and I'm living my life by design. So I pick up my kids, they're still young, they need me. I drop them off, um, gymnastics, swimming, all of that stuff. And then, yeah, I actually choose to work out of hours um, because after I cook dinner and do my children, then I come back and do a bit more work. So yeah, it's um, really, really good and I love it. Excellent. I think on the other side of that as well, it widens your reach. So we used to have to jump on a plane and fly to Sydney to meet yeah. with clients and fly to Melbourne and meet with clients there. It expands our reach and our time that we can get more productivity done. Um, so we can jump on a Zoom call and be in Melbourne like that. Whereas we used to have to fly, commute, there was travel times, expenses, all of those kind of things have yeah. now been cut down to a minimum. And you're still getting that relationship because technology is there and can facilitate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of um, all of my clients, owners, even interstate, they understand that we're quite heavily affected now with COVID. So closing down offices is okay um, because they can usually reach us um, whenever they want through text, you know, emails, whatever. Um, and we're usually readily there for them and they, they understand. And um, yeah, I, I haven't had any issues about being a virtual office. And it's brought some creativity into it as well, especially when it comes to tenant handovers, uh, when tenants are moving into properties, different options that we've found around that, that actually yes. customises to yeah. our tenants. Yeah. So um, one thing that we I started very early was that when a tenant was moving in, we would meet them on site, give them their handover pack, you know, a little welcome gift and take them through the house. And they just really loved it. They, they were frothing at the mouth. because They're like, this is amazing. Like, we actually feel really important to you and your business. And absolutely, they are. Um, and, yeah, and... The biggest thing for us is that if we have happy tenants, we get our rent on time and they look after the house. And then that's what our investors want from us. So it's it's all around really good. Yes. Perfect. Great answers. Just looking at the chat box here. Is, uh, a question for you, Sunil. What, what, what are the requirements for a valid logbook? So a valid logbook, uh, you can basically buy one from, you know, Officeworks or nowadays you can also have online apps for logbooks or do one in Excel. But what you need to record in a logbook is your open, opening odometer, your closing odometer, and then every trip you do for 12 weeks. Private, business, everything for 12 weeks. And once you have a logbook for 12 weeks, you basically work out your business uh, kilometers, which is your total business trips and a percentage for that. And once you have it, it's valid for five years. It's also valid if you change cars. You know, if you change a car after three years, as long as you had a valid logbook and your pattern of travel hasn't changed significantly, that logbook is valid for five years. Excellent. I'm probably to elaborate a little bit. Another question's coming. Is travel from home to work tax deductible? No, it's not. Very good. Um, Questions coming here for you, Stacey. Does, does completing a, a routine inspection remotely affect the owner's insurance? Uh, so the first thing I can say about that is always check with your policyholder. Mm -hmm. 
double check with whoever you're insured through. We did call uh, Terry Shear and was advised that as long as the inspections were being completed, that met their requirements. But definitely do check with your policyholders to make sure that you're ticking the box of what they need. Nothing worse than actually having to have to claim something and find out you're not covered. probably just to add to that too what, what information should should they supply to the tenant so they can complete the routine uh, remotely so we've done an example video so we send out what we're looking for so that'll be covering every point of a room making sure we're looking behind doors all the areas that you would normally cover in a face-to-face -face routine inspection you want to see on that video it needs to be clear you need to be able to see all aspects of the rooms, um, including the outdoors as well. And if you're doing meter reads, so if your tenants are charged, we do a lot of dual occupancies, especially in the north side of Brisbane, you have to do manual reads of those meters. So covering off all those checkpoints that an owner would expect on a normal face-to-face -face routine is what we require from the tenants. And we supply an example of that. Another question just come in, hi Sunil, if I'm, an, if I'm an owner, does significant repairs can be the total claims that year or does it need to be depreciated over time? The answer to that is you have a distinction between what is repair and what is capital. It's a very gray area of the law, but uh, just, just basically as a general rule, if it's a like for like replacement and if it's a general wear and tear, it usually repairs. If it's uh, complete new flooring, if you're replacing carpets with tiles, then that's obviously a capital cost and needs to be depreciated over time. Very good, very good. And just coming back to the virtual office, there's a couple more questions coming. With, with the virtual office, um, have you noticed that you've had a spike in st staff turnover? Did you notice any significant change? Yeah, no, absolutely not. So I think um, the a lot of the property managers, so when I actually advertised to one, I think on one campaign, I had over about 150 applications on it um, because in my ads, I'm very specific for what I'm looking after. And in return, they have the flexibility of working from home, um, you know, and really running their life, how they do it. For me, it is about um, same, as, same as Stacey, is that if we get the result and the job gets done, I don't really care and I'm not micromanaging to that sense to what happens in between. As long as we're not getting complaints, everyone's happy, everything's ticking over. Um, yeah, I, I just have that expectation for the property managers. So, no, I haven't had a staff um, turnover as yet. With anything, we're, we're moving towards that where a lot of property managers are hoping for that flexibility, work from home. So, yeah, I think it will change very soon. I think it comes down to onboarding as well. I think if they're getting that training initially, well done um, yep. and they know exactly what's expected of them from the get-go and they've been trained in the different software systems that you're running um, and how your business structure runs I think they feel comfortable in that I think mm. it's when we drop the ball at the start mm. that we see unhappy staff members in the long term because they're not quite sure where their targets are yeah yeah absolutely so um when I onboard a PM, so I'll do all of my onboarding with the PM. We do one week's intense training and we go through everything. We nut it all out. One of the big tools that I use in my training is Loom, where we record the training and then they've got a library of all of their collective stuff that we've been through. And then, um, so then once the PM goes back to their home office and starts working, um, 
if they need more training on something, we'll go through it together. And then what I get them to do is, you know, give it a test run in the system, record it, send it to me, I'll watch it and I'll quality control it and then I'll give them feedback on it. So we find that that's really effective and the, the resource of libraries is specific to them and what they need. And it's a really good reference point as well. That's really, really good advice and that's great. It, it, it segued well into the next question that was in the chat there. So thank you so much. You, you've really done well to answer that too. It's really appreciate it. Um, given there's no more real questions coming through and very wary of everybody's time and, and how busy everyone is, um, we'll start to wind it up now. And as, as we mentioned at the start of the webinar, we do, we do have a lucky winner um, to be announced. And uh, that lucky winner is Angie, Angie Johnson. So congratulations, Angie. Uh, we'll, we'll be in contact with you after the webinar um, with the gift card coming your way. Uh, thank, thank you once again uh, to all the panellists today. Re really appreciate your insights into different parts and uh, sectors of, of the real estate industry that we sometimes get ignored a little bit out there too. So, so really appreciate and, and really appreciate all the people who attended the webinar today. Thank you so much for your time. And, and lastly, thank you to uh, Inspect Real Estate for, for partnering with us to, to bring this webinar to you today. Thanks, Mike. And I'll add my thanks to the speakers and panelists. And thank you all for taking time from your busy day to attend today's forum. And congratulations to Angie. We have a survey at the end of the webinar before you close the window, and we'd really appreciate your feedback and thoughts. A podcast will also be made available for anyone who would like to review the contents or miss the sessions. And if you have any questions, please contact Inspect Real Estate. Thanks again for your time and attendance. We hope you have a lovely day.